0: Uh, The passage today is 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 15, on page 1145. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere, mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light." It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames.
1: And before we have a look at these verses, I wonder if you've ever been to something where your view of it was not what you were expecting, Maybe you've gone through the experience, or your parents, you've got your parents to do it, of finding a great deal to get some, a great price on tickets for something, whether it be um, a music performance, whether it be a theatre show, whether it be a sporting event, and, and you think you've done well to find those tickets until the tickets come through the post and you open them up and they've got in bold writing maybe a restricted view. And you think, well, maybe, I mean, it is or it isn't. And so you, you then make your way to the event and you get there and you sit down and the pillar's right in front of you going, maybe a restrictive view? That is certainly a restrictive view. I wonder if you've ever had that experience. Apparently, I was reading um, just this week. Apparently, there's a big Harry Styles tour going on at the moment. I think a few people from church have been, not me, by the way, but a few other people have been, where there have been reports of restrictive views as a result. And so maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you've ended up like this person um, on the screen at QPR. Um, If you can just make out, the green is, is part of the pitch, probably about a third of the pitch. Whereas the rest of it is just not possible to see. You see, getting the right view is really important when it comes to things like that. And it's not just events like that. Sometimes we can come to church and think, right, I need to get in the right position uh, to be able to see what I need to see. And then just as you're getting comfortable, someone comes really tall and sits in front of you you go, oh, here we go, just going to have to kind of bend around them to see what I need to be able to see. Getting the right view is really important. We're in the middle of a series in 1 Corinthians and the church in Corinth is a church that Paul has planted. It's a church where Paul is no longer in Corinth and he's heard from the church in Corinth and what he hears is not good news. He hears of a church that loves wisdom and yet are looking for the wrong to the wrong places for that wisdom. Yet it's a church that thinks that they are in a better place than they actually are. They think they're doing better than they actually are. Yet it's a church that has got the wrong view. And so Paul writes to them, and we have now the benefit of reading it today, to warn them against having a wrong view. And he says to them, Look, if you want to be a church that is building, if you want to build your church, you need to get a right view. And so in the verses that we are looking at this evening, we see three things that Paul says you need to get a right view of. Here's the first. He says you need to get a right view of yourselves. You need to get a right view of yourselves, verses 1 to 4. Let me read those to us. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men?" Here we get Paul's almost assessment of the church, and it's not great reading. It's a bit like, if you can remember, maybe a bit too close to home for some people, getting a bad school report from your teachers. And yet, here from Paul, it's as bad as it can get. Have a look down at some of the ways that Paul describes the Christians in Corinth. He starts by saying, Look, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit. But actually, I need to address you as worldly people. They're thinking like the world thinks. They're thinking like mere human beings. In fact, Paul says in verse 2, you are, or at the end of verse 1, sorry, you are mere infants in Christ. This word infants, it's it's literally baby. Paul says you're acting like babies, verse 2. And so when I first came to you, you weren't Christians, and so I gave you milk rather than solid food because you weren't ready for that. And yet now, well, sadly, nothing's changed. You're, as if it were, not ready to eat with the grown-ups yet. You're still babyish. You haven't gone even beyond potty training. And verse 3, he says, look, you have worldly attitudes. There's, There's quarreling. There's jealousy amongst you. You're just like squabbling uh, toddlers, uh, teenagers, toddlers, toddlers. (laughs) Verse 3, you're acting like mere humans. Now we need to be really careful here because Paul is not saying that the the Christians in Corinth aren't actually saved. He's not saying that. We've seen already in in, uh, the letter right at the start of 1 Corinthians, he addresses them as believers. In chapter 2, verse 5, he talks about them having faith. Even in this passage, he addresses them as brothers and sisters at the beginning of verse 1. He calls them in Christ. So he's not saying that they're not Christians, but rather what he's saying is, even though you are Christians, even though you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, of what I see and of what I hear You're acting and you're behaving as if you haven't got the Spirit living inside of you. You're thinking and living like you don't have the Spirit in you. And so he says, stop thinking that way. Stop behaving like people who don't have the Spirit in you. Stop behaving like the world behaves. Stop behaving like mere human beings. And so he calls them toddlers, infants. And this infant language, it would have been a real insult. He's saying they're immature, and so the phrase, I gave you milk rather than solid food, it's, it's, it's almost a metaphor for the type of teaching that, that Paul gave them, but it's not as if there's different teaching, different truths that you'd give different people, but rather it's the same truths, but taught in different ways that is appropriate for your st- age and stage. So just like here at St. Mary's when in the morning we have children's groups and so the children leave to be taught the same truths but in a way that they are able to understand. So Paul says there is one gospel but we teach it in different ways. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ is both milk and solid food. As one person put it, the gospel is shallow enough even for a child not to drown and yet deep enough For an elephant to swim. Yet Paul says the Corinthian Christians are stuck in the shallow end. And yet when the Corinthian Christians hear this, this would really bite because they think they're in the deep end. They think they're good enough for the deep end. They think they are something. They think they are mature. They think they're spiritual. They think they're complete. And so their complaint is, is kind of, look, you should be treating us like adults. Maybe there's a few teenagers here who have said that to their parents at some stage. Maybe there's parents here who have heard it from their teenage children. And so the Christians in Corinth are going, look, treat us like adults. You gave us a kind of gospel for beginners. And that was all right back then, before we became Christians, just as we were starting out. But now, give us the advanced stuff. Stop giving us the beginner stuff. Stop treating us like kind of adults who are still watching, I don't know what it is, Bluey or or Mr. Tumble. Yet Paul says, no, 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 of what I hear from you, you're still behaving like you're in primary school. If that. It's like, I don't know what lunch looked like for you, Uh, whether you're invited out or whether you're uh, still at home and so waiting for mum and dad to put the food on the table. It's like um, waiting at the table and and as the food comes for everyone else, for you, you get one of those baby food pouches, Ella's Kitchen or whatever you prefer, and you see it in front of you. You go, what on on earth are you doing? I'm I'm ready for grown-up food. I should be having grown-up food. And the person who's hosting you or your mum and dad says, look, look, I've been seeing the way that you're behaving and I think this is appropriate food for you. Paul says get a right view of yourselves. He says to the Christians in Corinth, you're mere infants. Why does he say that? Well, in verse 4 Paul returns to a subject, an issue that he's already identified in the Corinthian church. Verse 4 he says, for when one says I follow Paul and another says I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Paul's saying, rather than, than feeding on the spiritual truths from God, well, you're just concerned with this surface appearance of those around you. And so the, the Corinthians have, have attached themselves to their favorite leaders and favorite preachers. And so they think they're better than others because they have that leader and they look at others and go, really? You think you should be following that leader? It's interesting that um, we meet Apollos in Acts chapter 18. And what we hear of him, uh, Apollos is someone who the Corinthian church would like. So Paul came and planted the church. And when he moved on, Apollos took over. And we're told in Acts chapter 18 that Apollos is he's competent in his knowledge, he knows his stuff. And he's a really enthusiastic speaker. And yet, when Paul talks about him and Apollos, he talks about them as partners in the gospel. And so when Paul talks about Apollos, he says, Apollos is a good guy. He's a gospel guy. He taught you the good news of Jesus. And yet what you've done is you've put us against each other. But we're partners. The issue isn't with Paul or Apollos. It's with you. You're playing, if you like, spiritual top trumps based on which leader you prefer. And as a result, there's a a rivalry opposition within the church. The church just don't work together. Paul says, get a right view of yourselves. I wonder what the, the potential dangers of being like the Corinthian church are for us today. The kind of things we might get so caught up on that we forget the good news of Jesus Christ, that we stop feeding on solid food. Maybe we look at our church and then look around at other churches and go, oh, they're just not like us, are they? Not good enough like us. Maybe we attach ourselves to, to leaders or speakers and, and we listen or watch leaders on, in, on the internet or we read certain books by certain people and, and hear of others reading other books and go, mm, that's not quite these guys. Paul warns, don't have a wrong view of yourselves. Get a right view of yourself. And then second, he he continues on with this theme in verse 4 into verses 5 to 9. And he says, get a right view of your leaders. Get a right view of your leaders. Have a look down at verse 5. Paul says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Paul says you've got a completely wrong view of your leaders. It's wrong. It's unhelpful. In fact, it's harmful. So get a right view. And Paul uses two metaphors, two pictures to get this message across. Paul takes us out into the field and then takes us into the building. Have a look down at some of the things Paul says about himself and about Apollos. Verse 5, he says, we're servants. It's, It's a deliberately low status term. It's someone who serves at the tables and washes up the dishes. Paul says, that's who we are. He's, he's inverting the, the Greco-Roman values of leadership. It, he says those you who you normally hold up, those who you think are so special, you think Apollos is great, yeah, he's just a servant. Or verse 6, he talks about him being farmers who, who plant and water. Paul's just a manual worker, who to the Greeks who value their thinking, not manual work, this would be unheard of. Verse 7, Paul says, I'm nothing. Verse 9, me, Apollos, others, we're just fellow workers. Paul wants to, to diffuse the personality cult controversy that's going on. Paul and Apollos are simply servants. And notice how within these descriptions of who he and Apollos are, how he talks about who God is in the midst of it. So have a look back, verse 5, as he says, Apollos and Paul are servants. He says, well, it's the Lord who has assigned us the task. Verse 6 says, as Paul plants and as Apollos waters, it is God who has given the growth. Verse 7, as the planter and the waterer, as we're nothing, well, God is the one who gives the growth. He is everything. It is all about God. See how much God comes up in verse 9? For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. You see, Corinthians put so much emphasis on the human leaders that they miss where the growth is coming from. It is God who saves. It is God who forgives. It is God who gives life. It is God who grows every single Christian. It is God who grows the church only by his grace, his mercy, his strength, his power. It's a bit like if you can remember back to that very first time, maybe at primary school, where you're given a few seeds on a piece of paper to take home, and you're told, just sprinkle some water on them, and over a few days, it will grow. And me, in my cynicism, thinks there's no chance that can grow. I'm only a little lad, remember. And so you take it home, you water them, And a few days later, what have you got? Watercress. It's a miracle. Paul says, get a right view of me, of Apollos, of any worker in the church. We're just servants. We're just workers in the field, planting, watering. And so get a right view of God. Growth only comes through God. So Paul says, there is no place for boasting, Or puffing up oneself or or someone else depending on who we follow or who we think is great no it's all about God and his work as he builds his church get a right view of your leaders and so Paul says as we get a right view of our leaders will we get a right view thirdly of gospel ministry get a right view of gospel ministry Paul carries on this metaphor of building into verse 10 and 11 have a look down By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, he's just spent time saying, "Look, don't raise your leaders up too high," but now he almost says, "Don't drop them down too low," because who your worker is and what they do it's not irrelevant. Paul says, I am the expert builder. That word expert is is literally wise builder. Paul's saying, you're looking for wisdom? Well, look at me as I was the wise builder, as I laid the foundations of this church. And so as the church planter, he laid the foundations, and those foundations are Jesus Christ. Here is the solid foundation. Here is the foundation that Paul laid and taught upon. Here is the foundation that Apollos came in and taught upon. As the foundation is Jesus Christ, so Paul and Apollos taught Jesus Christ. The only authenticity is being founded on Jesus Christ. And so Paul warns those who are now leading the church or looking to lead the church, maybe new church leaders who have come in, maybe those inside the church who are taking on more more responsibility, And he's saying, as you come and look to build, as is happening in Corinth, you cannot change the foundation, but you build upon the foundation. And so what you build upon this foundation is key. And so the question of verses 12 to 15 is, will it last? Have a look down verse 12. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, this work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames." Look, these are tricky verses as they were read out as I read them there. Maybe you're thinking, what on earth is going on? Similar to me a few days ago. So let's work through them slowly as we think about what on earth is Paul talking about. This day in verse uh, 13 with a capital D, this is the day of judgment. And so Paul says, as, as normal day brings things into light, so a day is coming that will test the effectiveness and reveal the effectiveness of people's work. It is the day of judgment and it's not just that their work will be revealed but there is a fire that will test that work and so what we have built, what we have used to build will be tested by this fire and so verse 12 there in this list of, um, of items, it almost, it seems as if there's two lists going on here. You have gold, silver, costly stones, things that would withstand the test And then you have wood, hay, straw, things that won't. And notice verse 15. The fire is testing the work, not the person. It is not a testing or a purifying of the worker, but a testing of the work. The person is still saved. So the work might be consumed, but not the worker. They will escape through the flames. What does that look like or what's a picture that illustrates that? I wondered if this story came off the back of this. I'm sure you've all heard this story when you were little. Uh, There's a story about three little pigs. They uh, outgrew their home. Their mum said they needed to go and build new homes, so they went and built their own homes. Two pigs chose um, wood and straw to build their homes. The third pig picked bricks. The first two laughed at the third one, thinking, that's going to take ages. Look at ours getting up in a day. And the third one, no, no, I'm going to take my time with my bricks. And then, as I'm sure you know, the wolf comes along, and he goes to the house of straw, he goes to the house of wood, and he huffs, and he puffs, and he blows that house down. And so the little pigs run off to their brother in the bricked house, and they get inside the brick house, and the wolf huffs, and he puffs, and he huffs, and he puffs, and the house goes nowhere. Because what you build with is important. The workers survive, they are saved, and yet their work is consumed by the fire. And then in verse uh, 14, we have this topic of rewards, almost an appropriate pay to an appropriate work. What is going on here? What is this topic of rewards all about? And frustratingly, Paul doesn't tell us. He says there is a reality of rewards, there is a certainty of reward, but he doesn't tell us what that reward is. And maybe more frustratingly, the rest of the New Testament doesn't seem to tell us either. There's mention of rewards throughout the New Testament. Jesus talks about rewards in the Sermon of the Mount. In Luke chapter 6, he says, Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. And so maybe that reward is to be known and accepted as sons and daughters of the living God. Paul in 1 Thessalonians talks about a crown or a, a reward that he will receive. And he says what will my crown my reward be it will be you guys (laughs) and so for Paul he says when I get to heaven when I see you there oh that'll be enough for me others think the reward is is simply (laughs) simply I say incredibly getting to heaven and hearing the wonderful words from God well done good and faithful servant in fact in the next chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 Paul says, at that time, each will receive his praise from God. Could you imagine that? We live lives on this earth praising God. We'll go to heaven to praise God for eternity. But as we get there, Paul says, you will receive praise from God. What a reward that is. You see, there's an uncertainty in the New Testament about what the reward might be. But maybe that helps us not get too hung up on what the reward is but just revel in the wonderful reality that just being there, being in the presence of God, is reward enough. And so Paul wants to challenge the leaders and say, what are you building with? And not just leaders in terms of those in paid gospel work, working for a church, but those who are involved in any kind of gospel ministry. If you were here on Wednesday night at the Equip, we heard from Ephesians chapter 4 that, that all those who are part of the church are part of God's ministry in the church. We all have a part to play. And so as we play that role, as we play that part, Paul says what you build with is so important. Paul says stick to the foundation. Stick to Jesus Christ. Don't build with wood, hay or straw." using a worldly wisdom, pointing to self, looking to the way of culture or society around us as the direction we should be going with. No, build with gold, silver, costly stones. Keep that foundation of Jesus Christ. Preach and teach and tell people about Jesus Christ. Look for wisdom from the cross. Love one another. Pursue unity. In the cross. As we finish let me tell you about Charles Simeon. Charles Simeon was appointed as the minister of Holy Trinity Church in Cambridge in 1782, a church where he served for 54 years and for most of that time he was despised as the minister there. Not just from the people in the town around him and the city of Cambridge but within his congregation too. And so people boycotted his services. They locked the pews so no one else could go in. So Charles Simeon got chairs in and put them down the aisles for people who did want to come, for students from the university who wanted to hear him speak. And so the church people threw the chairs out. There was opposition for years. But Charles Simeon faithfully continued to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And slowly but surely the tide turned. And by the time of his death, hundreds had come to know Jesus Christ. And so at his death, a memorial was put into the church. And this is what it says. In memory of the Reverend Charles Simeon, 54 years, vicar of this parish, who whether as the ground of his own hopes or the subject of all his ministrations, determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. So what are we building with? will we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ with the good news of Jesus Christ? And as we do that, will we pray that God will be at work building his church? Why don't we take a few moments of quiet, and then in a few moments, I'll pray for us. Father God, help us to hear the warning that Paul gives the Corinthian church, a warning to get a right view of ourselves and our leaders and of what ministry looks like. And so, Lord, help us to build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Help us to build with the right things. And Father, will you do your work in building and growing your church? In Jesus' name, amen.